We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. And welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday night, I think. Yeah, Tuesday night. Uh, it's time for an episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, for these Tuesday evening shows, Carl Dummler. Carl, how you doing? Always good to see you in here. We are going on Lord knows how many years since the Garrett Bulls draft class. I think we've probably come and gone our anniversary um, and Lord knows how many episodes. Yeah, I feel like we've been really bad luck. Broncos have been horrible since we took over, but uh, that's all right. One of these yeah. days, they got to gotta get better, but no, I'm good. I, I mean, we always like to talk about the weather. We're supposed to get like one to 12 inches of snow, which hmm. is a really weird range. Like, yeah. Hey, you might get a little dusting or you might just be snowed in for the next two weeks. Good luck out there. Do you, uh, do you have like rations and stuff? Like how do you deal with uh, stuff like that in Kansas? Like a bunch of freeze dried food or, or are you yeah, just kind of like, yeah, every man for themselves. We've got a big deep freeze out in the garage and it's packed to the brim. So, I mean, if we needed to, we could survive probably for the next like two months without needing any kind of grocery run or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, so I, I think the bigger issue would be we, we'd run out of coffee before we, we'd run out of food. <laughs> That's when you start fighting each other. No uh -huh. doubt about yeah. that. Uh, but fortunately for me, shout out to Patrick um, out there in uh, Lion Coffee. Not an issue for me. A lot of coffee. Although I'm starting to run low, Patrick, if you're listening. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, a lot of backpacking food. So we'd be okay here. But uh, speaking okay, we're going to get into it today. Sean Payton, um, all the Broncos head coaching stuff, some news around the NFL that could cause some waves uh, for the Denver Broncos. So we'll get into that as well. And also Dane Brugler, Brugler released his first mock, which uh, it's that time of year or second mock, excuse me. Uh, it's that time of year. Really some interesting stuff to dig into here. Let's say hello to some people. Um, we got Gordon coming in here saying, what do we know? Broncos haven't reached a deal on Peyton either. No one wants this job. Somebody's going to take this job. There's only 32. I do think they kind of maybe potentially back themselves into a corner mentioning wanting to take a big swing. And now Jim Harbaugh's gone and Sean Payton's gone. If it's not one of those two, it's going to feel like a letdown, uh, yeah. especially after they said that. And I said it this morning, um, if they try to like spin it like, oh, we hired, I don't know, Jim Caldwell as our big swing. We wanted him all along. Like, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Um, yeah. You missed who, out on the, the big two you wanted. Who would be the next biggest swing, you think? <sighs> nobody. I, that's that. The, I, the answer is nobody. I mean, I... I would have said David Shaw like four or five years ago, uh, yeah. but Stanford has really fallen off and that's not all his fault. 
don't think you can call Dan Quinn a swing after passing him for Hackett last season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it really feels like it was Har- Harbaugh and uh, Peyton. Peyton and then nobody else. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Um, what, what were you going to say? Somebody? Oh, I, David Shaw is probably my name just because NFL teams have been clamoring for that guy for a lot of years, giving him phone calls each year. And uh, I always think he's one of the few that goes on like a lot of the draft shows during the draft mm-hmm. and gives a lot of insight, which I always think is pretty cool to be able to see that from that college coach's perspective. And uh, so I, I would probably put him at that next spot, but you're right. He's kind of lost a little bit of his fervor or whatever you want to say is, is spark that the NFL's really wanted with a couple down seasons. But uh, I honestly, I'd love that swing. I kind of yeah. like Shaw. I think he'd be really good for what this organization needs, but I have a really high doubts that that would have actually happen. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Adam Schefter listed to him as one of the big swings. I know some other people in Denver media listed Quinn as a big swing. I feel like it's pretty obvious after the top two, but you know, you could be a big swing and then fail out or flame out, or you could hit somebody who's like, Oh, nobody really else interviewed him and ends up being a slam dunk. So that's the thing about coaching. You won't know until you know. Uh, And I think this entire list of coaches has plenty of merits. Um, So obviously the news today, not bearing the lead, uh, Sean Payton, Denver's brass flew out and met with Sean Payton today in Los Angeles had the big interview for him, but also uh, flew back to Denver and was meeting with Raheem Morris, a uh, defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Buccaneers, interim head coach for the Falcons when Dan Quinn was fired. Uh, so a lot of a uh, lot of connections there. It's a very inbred league, as uh, Scott said this morning. Uh, we got Alex Salazar coming in 499 saying, question, fellas, could there be a scenario where the Broncos don't interview the rest of the candidates and offer the job to Peyton tonight? Well, they would have already met with Peyton and they could have already offered him the job. And there's nothing stopping them from doing that because they've already fulfilled their Rooney rule requirements by interviewing two external minority candidates. So is your Evero doesn't count, but the likes of um, David Shaw and Jim Caldwell do. Yeah. So it it is actually possible. I didn't ever see them doing that. Even if the interview went great. I I don't see Peyton doing that. Yeah. That's probably the bigger issue there is him wanting to really kind of test everything around and make sure that he's getting into the right situation he wants to get into. Uh, I mean, he has all the, really all the leverage in this situation. I mean, even against the saints, if he's like, Hey, I don't like what you're asking from these other teams. I'll just stay retired and you get nothing. Yeah. I mean, he's like I said, he's just the guy that has all the power in this and can kind of do whatever he wants. And teams are kind of at his beck and call of, okay, yeah, take what you want. Not all the power because the Saints do still own his contractual rights. Uh, so, like, if he had all the power, he could say, hey, Carolina's my favorite. You don't have to give up anything. If Carolina's interested, they probably have to overpay compared to what Denver is for in terms of draft capital. So I think that is an important caveat. He still yeah. he can just be like, okay, I'm going to stay at Fox. <laughs> Middle finger to all you guys. Like, who cares? Yeah. I'm making good money and enjoying L.A. So he does have a lot of power, but maybe not open market all the power. Okay, Michael Ronquillo. Michael Ronquillo coming in saying good evening, Nick and Carl. I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos. Go Michael. Good to see you. Also flashing again, Diamond Rattler saying boom, let's go. Good to see you, Diamond. Uh, we also got Jasmine coming in. Beautiful picture with the uh, young ch- young child there. I'm going to go daughter, but uh, regardless, beautiful kid uh, saying, I wish the Broncos would share more about how the interview with Sean Payton went. We are all so anxious. <laughs> anxious indeed, but also can't control it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, wipe your hands with it and We'll see how it plays out and we will analyze it, but uh, not break anything in that front. So definitely nervous. 
I do want to reiterate, though, it's a point I've said before. The, so this top two guys, the big swing, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Now Harbaugh's gone, only one left. I think all these candidates have merits and are quality coaching candidates. Uh, yeah. Now, maybe, again, not the top two, not the big swing, but all of them have merits. So yeah. um, I think they're going to come away with a good coach, and we won't know until we know. We said the same thing about Hackett last year. It's like, yeah, youngest staff ever, very green, didn't call plays in Green Bay. A lot of good things on his resume, but we won't know until we know. And boy, we found out fast, unfortunately. Right. And I think Scott has a good point in the comments there saying teams don't want to leak any info and tip their hands. Yeah. I mean, pretty much after every interview, I remember John Elway would do that. If he'd say, oh, we just got done with this interview and they did so great. Like you said about everybody. So there, there's really nothing being given out during that time. Yeah. You might have some insiders that have people they're talking to that might pass on a little bit of, hey, this person interviewed well. You know, I've heard Evero didn't have a great interview. And yeah, I kind of thought he was going to be a year or two away from really being a true legit head coach candidate, unless you get really desperate kind of thing. And you're hiring a guy before he's ready. Um, But I heard Caldwell did well. I heard Shaw did well, you know, and these are just little tidbits, but, Mm -hmm. and what does well mean? Like, Oh yeah, they, they were pretty impressive, but depends who you ask too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And we've got little Kev coming in here with the super chat saying, what is going on? I heard they're still meeting and I'm confused. So what, so does he want the job or not? Don't know. Um, there's been, there was a tweet out earlier. I bookmarked it, but I think I was in the parking garage leaving work. So, oh, here it is. Uh, Hearing Sean Payton's people are disappointed that the Cardinals hired a general manager before they interviewed him. Word around the league is bid, uh, bidwill. The owner of the Cardinals wouldn't get. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And power, full power. I think, does Peyton want to come here? He wants to meet with all these teams and see what he can get out of it. And yeah. he might even sit out this coaching cycle still. I mean, that's still a possibility yeah. uh, for him as well. So going to make the rounds. Does he Is he interested in the job in Denver? I don't think he'd be taking an interview if he wasn't. I know that the Texans got permission to interview him. I don't think anything is lined up, though. Uh, with him in the text and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but again, that says that he's not just taking every single interview possible. Uh, he is being somewhat selective in the process. Right. Yeah. And that's very true of all these guys. They can kind of pick and choose. There's been a couple guys that have turned down the Texans mm-hmm. already. 
So it's kind of showing that situation is probably the worst in the NFL, in my opinion. Yes, they have a really high pick. Mm-hmm. But when people are looking, you know, I, I, I was listening to Sean Payton talk the other day. He said, I actually care more about ownership than I do the quarterback. And if he's seeing a situation where it's like, I don't want to work for this ownership, that that's a deal breaker. He said, but I went to the Saints. We didn't have the quarterback position figured out, but I liked the ownership. And I was willing mm-hmm. to work with them. I liked the GM. And I was willing to figure that out of how can we make this quarterback work. But we've got Jasmine coming back in again. Thank you so much, Jasmine, saying, I feel like we will be disappointed with the head coach decision when it's all said and done. There's no big win without Sean Payton. Uh, Regardless, I love my Broncos. Yeah, um, it is going to be tough. Like I said, when ownership kind of backed themselves in that corner saying, we're going to take a big swing, and then you bring in Dan Quinn, how how are you going to sell that? Because you had this chance to take the big swing on Dan Quinn last year, and you still chose, and, and he didn't even finish top two. From what I understand, yeah. he was third in in the ranking there. I think they had O'Connell ahead of him in their interview process, and so it just again it kind of shows like okay, how's the big swing? The the third guy from last year, and you already fired that guy that beat him, you know, fifteen games in the season or whatever. Yeah, it's. Dallas is playing good defense again this season. Uh, I really enjoy that. I think they had some of the highest rate of two high safety shells we've seen this season from them. And I'm also really excited to see the matchup of Dan Quinn's defense versus the 49ers uh, with Mike, with uh, Kyle Shanahan this week, as well as D'Amico Ryan's on the other hand, who I still think is not getting enough yeah. play. I know the Broncos don't want a first time head coach, but I, I think D'Amico Ryan's going to be successful, man. I just, his team plays so smart and tough. I'm really a big fan. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Huron saying evening, guys. And thanks again, Jasmine, for coming back in there. Two supers. That's unbelievably generous. We right. really appreciate and I, that. I messed up on the ATP she, at this point. Sorry. I, I didn't recognize the, the acronym there. My bad. You don't know the slang. Yeah, I do not. On. I'm behind my times. <laughs> I've been behind the times since I was born. Clayton Huron coming in. Evening, guys. Smash that like button and share. Man, I can't wait until we get our coach and have our draft and our offseason. We're going to be great this year with all our talent and our players coming back. Can't wait, Broncos. Let's ride. I'm skeptical to say it's going to be better than last season because I said that the year before and we were worse. <laughs> but odds are very high that 2023 will be better for Denver than 2022. So it can't get much, much worse. And guess what? If it's worse next year, you're probably picking a pretty damn incredible quarterback prospect. Uh, so have that to look forward to as well if things fall out the rail. But uh, right. definitely, I feel like Clayton, thank you for coming in and supporting the show. Yeah, and... That's one of those again where like I, I want Sean Payton, but I don't want Sean Payton at the cost of the 2024 draft pick. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what Russell Wilson's gonna be next year. Like we saw at least a little bit closer to what he's been those last few games of the year. I mean, th- there's still a lot of up and downs within that process for sure. But at least he started looking a little bit more competent on the field and the offense was starting to move the ball a little bit and actually put up some points. I think they went like 10 for 10 in the red zone there at one point or eight for eight. or I can't remember exactly how it was. Um, but yeah, so you start seeing at least some promises of some things. Uh, so you hope that there's better things ahead, but you still don't want to sacrifice the future. Kind of like this year, you're giving up a top five pick for the Russell Wilson trade. And now you're kind of looking at that going, Oh man, that stinks. We could have done that with drew lock uh, yeah. or Teddy Bridgewater or whoever. And so it's tough that way, but we got Michael coming in saying teams going after Ben Johnson has to look somewhere else because he is staying at the Detroit Lions. Yeah, he was a pretty big name. I know, like you said earlier, very attached to the Carolina job. 
a lot of people kind of thought that he was going to be, be heading that direction and decide, nope, I'm going to stay here in Detroit. And, and again, sometimes guys make that decision where they're just like, I just don't like how that's all going to play out. I don't like the, you know, maybe they're sitting there saying, okay, you can be head coach, but we're going to pick your staff for you. A lot of guys don't want that, especially those first time head coaches where they kind of get strung along with things that they don't want to be attached to them. And I, I know like guys like Vic, Vic Fangio is a great example. Like he's a no nonsense guy. And I think a lot of times that rub people the wrong way when he did interview for head coach jobs, because they're just like, okay, he's pretty much saying, I want to do it my way. And some guys are like, no, we want input input into how this is all going to go. And uh, yeah, Vic Fangio is not one of those kind of guys. No, he's not. And uh, Vic also interviewed for the DC spot at Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. And now that Ben Johnson being attached to that, maybe Carolina uh, becomes a new possible landing spot for Sean Payton. Uh, have heard that Vic Fangio has been looking at real estate in both Phoenix area and uh, Charlotte as well. So keep an eye on those two teams as well as Denver. I think he still owns his house in Denver. Uh, Gary Palmer, 1999 saying, Hey Nick, Carl and Scott in Broncos country, MHH for life. Go Broncos 1999. Thank you so much, Gary. We appreciate you. Alessandro Rhymes coming in saying, I'm leaning towards Peyton as our next head coach. We can't allow these other bums to have an interview with him. Sign him up pronto. Again, I think Sean Payton is dictating the terms of this interview process. Uh, unless the Broncos offer him, you know, 30 million a year. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I don't even care. Um, in which case, mm -hmm. do you want him? If that's the case, I mean, anybody's just purely mo motivated by that money. I don't know if they're, especially with the demands of the head coaching position. I don't know if that'd be the best case scenario, but, uh, Definitely something to think about. My goodness, uh, Jasmine coming back in here, forty nine ninety nine. Just tricked uh, the faucets open now. Thanks so much, uh, Jasmine. Says we deserve a good season and happiness. We should give up our first round pick for Sean. Should we give up our first round pick for Sean Payton? I say yes. Something's got to give with this team. It's definitely a. It was the reason I was more Harbaugh than Sean Payton uh, when we were originally doing this head coaching rankings tiers or whatever. But now that it's Sean Payton, and I think. A, chasm between the other candidates there also going over the mock drafts and the talent that I'm seeing mock to Denver in those spots, not looking like difference making. I mean, yeah, good players. Player there, but not like difference makers there, especially with the uh, 49ers keep on winning. Um, I'd be okay with it. Heck I'd be even okay if it was like Denver's the 49ers pick first round and the Colts pick or Denver's pick in the third round, they should be like back to back almost right in that third round. Uh, yeah. So I wouldn't even be against that. It definitely is painful to do, but I think I'd rather have the stability uh, with Sean Payton than, than not given where we're picking. Right. Yeah, to me, one of the easiest ways to make this team viable again is to have a great coaching staff. You know, it's not only that you're hiring Sean Payton, but you're also getting the guys that he's going to bring in with him as well. Mm -hmm. And I think he can bring in a pretty darn good staff. And, and like I said, that first round pick, like they can be a good player. They can make at least a little bit of an impact. They can help out, but it's not going to be anything close to what a coach can do. You know, I think of like Andy Reed when he went to the chiefs, I hate saying that, but I mean, he was, a, a he changed that entire culture. Like yeah. even before he had Mahomes, like he was doing it with Alex Smith and actually making them a, a playoff team each year. And uh, so yeah, I, I would be willing to trade up that first round pick. I hate doing that because I love the draft, and but it's still just a draft pick. And I, I keep thinking of all the late round picks in the first round that the Broncos have had. We're talking like Sylvester Williams, Bradley Roby, 
Um, that was a good Paxton match. Lynch. Bradley Roby was okay. I mean, he was good, not great. I think slightly above average for players that are picked in that range, but I don't yeah. Okay. Yep. Paxton Lynch. Obviously not a great pick. No. So th- these Shane are the Ray. kind of players that you're you're looking at that you're going, yeah, Shane Ray is another one that a lot of times there, there's a reason that they're not a top 10 pick. There's there's red flags with them. There's things that you look at and you go, man, I don't know if they're going to work out or not. And I mean, you could say that about anybody and even the top 10 guys, but usually you're starting to see a few more higher qualities in those guys. So um, again, even Bradley Roby, I'd still take Sean Payton over Bradley Roby. <laughs> yeah. So yep. yeah, just kind of giving you an idea of kind of the talent to expect at that point. 100%. Son of Jesus coming in, talking a lot of Cowboys here today. Sorry, Ernie, I see you're in the chat, but uh, they're connected to the Broncos. What about the offensive coordinator from the Cowboys? Kellen Moore. I don't even know if he interviewed for the Broncos job last year. I don't recall. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty hot name early on last season that kind of fell off. I think he's been listed on another team this season, but uh, I don't think he's going to get hired this cycle. Uh, so we'll see. Keep an eye on him for the future. Uh, he'll still be the offensive coordinator in Dallas would be my assumption next yeah. season. Uh, but uh, he's definitely an interesting name, former uh, quarterback at Boise state for a number of years, still pretty young uh, there in Dallas. He'll, he'll get a shot. I'm guessing eventually. Um, and I think he's done a pretty good job with Dak Prescott uh, as well. So he'll get a shot. I don't know if he's the best fit for Denver though. What do you think of Dan Quinn now interviewing for the Colts job? What do you think that symbolizes towards the Broncos and their interest in him? Ah, man, there's so many ways to read that. Uh, there had been some talk that the Broncos job or the Dallas DC spot was the, were the only spots that Dan Quinn was interested in. Okay. Well, obviously probably not true now that he's interviewing uh, for the, the Colts position. And then there was some talk, well, why is Dan Quinn such a hot commodity? The only team that's interested in him is uh, the Denver Broncos. The only team that's going to interview him. Well, yeah. Now he has another team in that too. So I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, he's let's call it as it is. I mean, he's been not innovative this season, although he's done a great job with uh, isolating Parsons with the pressure that he has with that talent and moving him from off ball linebacker to more edge rusher where he's, you can unleash that athleticism far more uh, than at, at, at uh, that second level of the defense. And also he's done a better job of changing his scheme this season from that, you know, cover three we're declaring who are, safety is before the snap uh, to more of a cover two scheme, uh, some cover four and cover six as well, but mainly a cover two. And uh, that's been good to see as well. Cause one of my big concerns with him coming out of that Seattle tree was that he was a cover three merchant um, in the Gus Bradley mold, who still living in cover three, no matter what declaring who this, the strong safety is pre-snap. But uh, I think he's yeah. done a better job there in Dallas. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I do worry a little bit of some of the disciplinary things. I mean, you see a lot of penalties, Last year, the the Cowboys finished dead last in penalty yards per game. They were better this year, so I will give them credit for that. But I, I think that's something makes me a little bit nervous uh, just because the Broncos are coming off a year where they were very undisciplined, yeah. obviously finishing last in penalty yards and stuff. But we got Deanna Hendry coming in with a $20 super. Thank you so much, saying, for the right coach, I agree with Scott, trade our first-round pick, but only if it secures Peyton. If not him, just move on to Quinn. Hashtag MHH for life. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones 
who get it done. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I can, I can adjust. Let's say it is Dan Quinn that ends up getting hired, or really any of these guys. I really do like most of the names the Broncos have on their list this year. Mm-hmm. Evero is probably the one that I'm kind of like he's not ready. I, I just, I, I don't think he is. I, I like him, I really do, and I hope he can stay in Denver in some kind of, of fashion. Uh, but I. So like I said, I can get behind them. There, there's a lot of nice qualities that you see in each of these guys. And, yep. you know, the first timers make me a little nervous because you just never know. Like they can be a great coordinator. doesn't mean they're going to be a great head coach. It's very different in what you're being asked to do in, in the coaching tree. But, um, but yeah, like I said, Dan Quinn, I think he is a very well-liked guy within the, the league. A lot of players really respect him, really want to yep. work for him, all those kind of things. I think he's a very smart guy. So I think you could do a lot worse than to bring in a Dan Quinn for sure. I mean, you're coming off of Nathaniel Hackett, maybe one of the worst coaches the Broncos have had in their history. I still would put McDaniels at the top just because so many things went wrong with that. Plus, you have the cheating allegations that showed up with it. So you got not only a bad team, but you have this black mark on you from the league. You know, that kind of thing takes him over the edge. But um, so yeah, I, like I said, I can get on board with a lot of these guys. Yeah. hundred percent. Another one of our mile high huddle ladies coming in here, Deanna Hendry, $20 saying for the right coach, I agree with Scott trade our first round pick, but only if it secures uh, Sean Payton, if not just move on to Quinn, I would throw in as your Evero and David Shaw with Quinn as well. Maybe even Jim Caldwell, but uh, that's just me. I'm fine with trading pick 28 and we, Scott and I had a debate this morning and Scott, I thought about it some, I, I still stand by my guns on this one. Um, he said that he would give up Patrick Sertan uh, for, I mean, I might be putting words in Scott's mouth here, so he can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> trade Patrick Sertan for Sean Payton in a hindsight kind of thing. Like he'd rather have had Sean Payton over the last two years than uh, Patrick Sertan. Um, and Scott put it up. Would the team win more games with Payton or Sertan? I think the team would have won more uh, games with Payton than Sertan. However, the caveat for me is still how you obtain value in the NFL and uh, I think that Scott's this isn't the question, Nick. You'd have won more games with Sean Payton. I agree with you on that one. That being said, it's an open market for the coaches versus the draft. Of, and the Broncos have a big advantage in the open market with the money versus the slots of the draft. Uh, so yeah. I probably would still rather have Sertan long, uh, where we're at right now and made that selection. Uh, but uh, you'd, you'd have won more games with Sean Payton the last two years if you had him versus Patrick Sertan. And that's a first ever double team first team all pro so both the nflpa and the uh what was the other one uh ap so they yeah. never had an nflpa before so it's kind of a little <laughs> cheating on that one a bit but uh, it's true so i i agree scott i think it's just, just an interesting conversation yep who cares about winning when we have draft picks that's well, right can we have both please i want it all um so Moving forward here, so we haven't talked a bit. How are you feeling about the <laughs> having both? How do you feel about uh, Jim Harbaugh? Um, obviously, the news broke this week that uh, he is going back to Michigan. Obviously, not a contract announced yet. Thought it was pretty interesting to hear Mike Kliss uh, talk about how much the Broncos did want him, and uh, he kind of not. I wouldn't say led them on. Maybe I would, uh, but uh, not coming to Denver. Um, said that uh, he Denver was very much interested, but alas, uh, they're going to have to look elsewhere. Yeah. I- I mean, this is Jim Harbaugh. He he's he's always thinking, hmm. and and sometimes I think that can get him in a little bit more trouble than 
than he would like, where I think he's almost overthinking situations. And I, I think he realizes, one, at Michigan, he's being very underpaid oh, yeah. for what he brings to that organization. I think he's like maybe the fifth highest paid coach in the Big Ten, let alone the NF or all of college football. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that, and he's produced two top four teams the last two years, made it to the college football playoffs, beat Ohio State two times in a row now. And so, yeah, I'm sure he's kind of looking at that going, man, I, I should be making a lot more money than I am. And right now, a lot of his contract is actually incentive-based mm-hmm. instead of like base salary compared to a lot of other guys. And so I do think in some ways he used the Broncos a little bit. I, I probably think he most likely was leaning towards going to Michigan or staying with Michigan this entire time. Now, maybe he could have been talked out of it and maybe Michigan would have just been like, hey, we're tired of this back and forth and we're done with you anyway. And he'd be like, all right, fine, I'll just go to the NFL. But I, I do feel like he kind of used the Broncos a little bit in this situation. Certainly a bummer uh, that happened, but uh, Sean Payton's still out there. And again, do like a lot of these coaching candidates, just not as much as uh, those top two. Jasmine says, I'm tired of this team sucking, tired of being laughed at. If you just plug your ears and close your eyes, then you won't hear the laughing and pointing. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's really frustrating. I mean, especially this year, probably hurt the worst uh, seeing the team. I mean, giving up a top five pick. Uh, the whole NFL watching and then to see that the Broncos fall flat on their face. They did play much tougher down the stretch. Granted Christmas, the whole team was on vacation for Christmas. I don't know. They didn't even play a game yeah. that day, right? Nickelodeon. What slime game? I don't even know what you're talking about, uh, but definitely um reason to be optimistic. And one thing also um, maybe something this ownership group didn't uh, catch up on, but the uh, last year, the Broncos oversold and underdelivered as far as perspective next year, nobody's going to expect anything from this team. So yeah. even if they go, Nine and eight people are like, oh, that Broncos team's feisty. Maybe, you know, maybe we gave up on Russ too much. And, you know, Americans, media, people in general, they love nothing more than to, you know, step somebody down and then pull them back up. Oh, what a great story. Look what how much Russ overcame. Everyone was doubting him. And now he's back. I mean, just a few years ago, we saw that with Tom Brady. Uh, so and Aaron Rodgers before that. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what happens next season. I don't think we're going to be laughed at next year. Uh, I feel pretty confident in saying that next year. Maybe and maybe not going to be Super Bowl or bust, but laughed at. I think that's going to be at a minimum. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I mean, part of it is Russ didn't help his situation. I mean, he made himself okay. very much available to the media and a lot of the weird things that he was doing. Um, you know, obviously the let's ride thing really took off, and everybody around the NFL is making fun of that. And and like I said, just some weird things. I mean, I've said it before on the show of like a training camp, him practicing running down the the lane, giving high fives to all of his teammates and at the end raising his hands up. And you're like, man, what? The, the, he is a weird guy. I mean, there, there's no getting around that. Doesn't mean he can't still be a great quarterback in the NFL. And like I said, you get him a good, competent coaching staff around him. There, there's still pretty decent talent on this team. There's yeah. some holes for sure that you've got to plug up. But uh, you said it earlier, the Broncos have cash galore. They can go out there and make some really big things happen to even add to this roster compared to last year. And we'll see what draft capital they have by the end of all this coaching hire stuff. But um, yeah, they have some opportunities still to really improve this team. And like I said, I I think you get some competent coaching that adds probably four or five wins easily just right there. Yeah, I would agree uh, as well. So that that's the NFL, right? That's the margins in the NFL. We kind of saw with the Vikings this week, NFL history, 11 or no, and one win games. And then hope 
that Piper comes and you got to pay him uh, once, mm-hmm. once, as soon as the playoffs start. So maybe you should have paid that toll earlier, but I digress. Uh, so Mike Kliss sounding like uh, the interviews have wrapped up for today. Broncos have two more interviews scheduled this week, to my knowledge. Uh, they interview with D'Amico Ryans on Thursday and then Dan Quinn on Friday. And that would wrap up the current list of candidates out there. Um, do you have any thoughts on those upcoming uh, interviews for the Broncos as well? And given those teams, two teams play each other, anything that fans should be looking forward to this weekend when the Cowboys take on the 49ers? Well, I mean, I've, I've talked about it on here before. We both really are big fans of D'Amico Ryans. Mm-hmm. I, I love how he's really just brought that defense along, really taking them to a whole nother level this year. And you just see a 49ers team that just is playing such incredible complimentary football. Great yeah. defense, strong run game. You know, your quarterback doesn't even have to be great, and you can still go win a lot of games. Unheard of in today's NFL, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> every other team, we scream quarterback on here, and the, the, the asterisk on it is unless you're playing for the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. Uh-huh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, his creativity with the run game, unmatched in the yeah. NFL. You know, it's pretty much Mike Shanahan in the 90s, where he just, with that zone blocking, that outside zone look, and you know, teams just were not ready for it. Everybody else is playing all this power football. Let's go Cowboys. Get that big offensive line. Here comes the Broncos with their little tiny guys. And they're going, all right, we're just going to outrun you to the spot. And, uh, and then our running back's going to all of a sudden cut across to everybody and boom, gone for another 10, 15 yards. But, um, but yeah, I, I love D'Amico Ryans and, and Dan Quinn. I talked about him a little bit earlier. I wouldn't mind the hire. I, it's obviously not my top choice, but um, I, I get it. Both of them obviously showing great things on, on defense. Do you think it helps or hurts the guys to win this, their team to win this weekend? Probably hurts uh, a little bit. I mean, it doesn't hurt either of them. It hurts the Broncos. Uh, If the guy they want wins, that's a, you're having less time to get your staff together and get a, get a role on the off season. And I mean, senior bowls right around the corner. You want to have your coaching staff together uh, by then. So It'll be tough, uh, no doubt, and maybe the Broncos will not not be impressed with either, either of them. Maybe it makes a difference in terms of their own preparation for that. I mean, it sounded like last season Dan Quinn didn't impress as much as they had expected uh, in the interview process. Very much hearsay. <laughs> Don't take that to the bank, but yeah. I heard that from a few people, so uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think, if anything, the team that wins probably hurts – that defensive coordinator's candidacy and start to their career in Denver because they're just going to be behind the ball. Uh, Joey Grubbs coming in with a question for us. Thank you so much, Joey, for joining us today. If you guys are on Facebook, like Joey, make sure you're clicking the thumbs up while you're on your way in here. Leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, join the shows. We appreciate you guys, just like we appreciate Joey saying, who do you guys think gets the Broncos job? Not who do you want, but who do you think gets the job? My gut right now, and I think maybe it's because I've gone to – after Jim Harbaugh, after actually after I first saw that president's uh, Michigan president's tweet about Harbaugh and working it together, I'm like, oh, well, I got a bad feeling about this one now because that's who I'd wanted. I'm at the acceptance phase of this, and I think it's going to be Dan Quinn. I think it'll be Dan Quinn. I'm hoping for Peyton. I also would be pretty excited about Shaw and D'Amico Ryans. I think it's going to be Quinn, though. And my tinfoil hat on this is uh, Dan Quinn is very much the – George Payton uh, candidate. He was apparently last season, you know, they're friends, they're buddies. Yeah. If it goes to bleep this year, ownership is going to have no issue piling it on George Payton uh, being like, Oh, we got the guy you wanted. You know, you made the trade for the quarterback. This has gone to hell. This isn't good enough. We're going to wipe you all out because this was your pick, your guy, your coach. 
see ya. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to go a new direction. Yeah. I, I'll say Jim Caldwell. I'm going to mm. give the dark horse here. I, wow. like I said, I heard he did it really well in his interview. I think he's one of those guys that's again, still well-respected around the league, even though he's been out for a couple years here. I think the the Broncos brass will be really impressed just with the veteran presence he can bring into that situation. But we got Larry No Filter coming in here with a, a super chat saying, Plan B, head coach Dan Quinn, offense coordinator Frank Reich, defense coordinator Evero, special teams Jerry Rosberg. I'd, I'd be okay with that staff. My big question here is, and this is the other thing we talk about, is you, excuse me, not as you, Evero, um, but uh, Dan Quinn versus D'Amico Ryans. I like D'Amico Ryans slightly more uh, for his ascendance, ascendancy. Um, hasn't done it before, hasn't failed, hasn't put together poor defenses when he was a head coach like Dan Quinn did. Not all his fault, but still owns it. His name's on that defense. Uh, but for me, Dan Quinn, I think he'd probably put together a better staff, a more veteran staff, which really matters. And I think he has better connections. Does Dan Quinn have any connection to Frank Reich? I don't think so. Uh, does he have any connection to Azure Evero? I don't know. I mean, maybe you keep Evero still because he's already here. Uh, yeah. But as far as the connection there, I don't know. A connection to Jerry Rosberg. I don't know. I mean, you, you saw it this year. Broncos bring in Azure Evero. They didn't just pick that name from thin air. Yeah. He's literally best man. And I think they were best man in each other's weddings with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, so it matters who you coach with and who you know. Those right. are the kind of guys coming over. So, yes, Larry, I think this would be a fine uh, coaching staff to have over here. I don't think it's feasible at all because they're going to bring people that they know. Right. Right. It's – well, it's kind of like I remember – okay. Um, so, Dan Quinn, when Mike Sh – or Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan left. And I, I think this is where – he maybe made one of his biggest mistakes as a head coach in um, – Mike LaFleur was on the staff already probably should have promoted from within because, you know, you see what the both LaFleur's were there. I'm trying to remember. There's a couple other guys on that staff that were just uh, top notch. And we, we saw a huge turnover on that offensive coaching staff because even their offensive coordinator wants to bring in his guys that he knows he can work with. And, and I don't blame him for doing that. You know, once, once you get your offense coordinator and say, Hey, who do you want working with you? Cause they know your system. They know what you want to do, how you want to coach guys that kind of thing. And, and even this year, like with, with Hackett, you go out there and you get rid of Mike Munchak, one of the greatest offensive line minds ever to, to be a part of the NFL. Like he wanted to get his guy to coach his way and for better, for worse. That's just how, how that works in the NFL. You really want those connections. You want that guy that you know that you can trust. It's why a lot of guys, if, if a team says, Hey, we're going to help you pick out your coaching staff. A lot of guys don't want to go take that job. And there's a lot of owners out there that, that that's the way they want to be. They want to be those micromanagers and have their say on who and what can happen. And yeah. a lot of guys don't want to work in that kind of environment. Yeah, just looking at that Falcons 2016 staff, uh, Raheem Morris was the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach. Uh, you also had uh, Scarnecchia was there, Steve Scarnecchia. You guys probably recognize that name, but also they had Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, Matt LaFleur, offensive assistant, Mike LaFleur, and uh, offensive assistant, Mike McDaniel. Those guys are probably maybe a little young, but Matt LaFleur being the quarterback coach would have made a lot of sense to elevate him. Instead, they go with uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and I think the Falcons had the 
biggest drop in points per game from a team from number one to the next season in NFL history. Scott could probably correct me on that one, but I knew it was a massive drop off um, yeah. in that offense after that, that in, you know, I, I believe that Dan Quinn deserves credit for bringing in Mike Shanahan and that staff. Uh, but he also deserves equal blame uh, for yeah. Steve Sarkeesian's uh, tenure in Atlanta because he is the head coach. Uh, that's right. right or wrong. You're going to get the, uh, the blame or credit for that. And uh, William Gooden said McDaniel left with Shaney. Yes, he did. Uh, but he was only the assistant run game coordinator, the run game coordinator on that team. Probably could have had a better job uh, in Atlanta, especially if you kept uh, Lafleur there as well, which they didn't. They went with Sarkeesian, who not a big fan of, uh, personally speaking, um, thinking that's going to go down in flames out there in Texas, inevitably, eventually. So we have seven head coaches left now. Carl, I want you to rank them uh, for me, seven to one, if possible. I asked Luke this, and he couldn't go from uh, least to best. So I'm hoping that you can, uh, seven to one, your least, the candidate you're least interested in for Denver to the one you are most interested in for head coach. All right, so we got Adriel Evero at the bottom of my list. Okay. Um, so I got Morris, I've got Peyton, I've got Quinn, I've got Caldwell, I've got Shaw. Who am I missing? Ryan's. Ryan's. Okay. D'Amico Ryan's. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I probably next lowest would be Raheem Morris. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I think he's okay. I, I don't get me wrong by any means. I, I just, <clears throat> something there doesn't quite fully excite me with him. Uh, next would probably be. I guess I'll go, I'll go Caldwell next. Just mm -hmm. like I said, he has been out of the league for a couple of years and he's older. So it's not only how long is he going to stay? You know, is he going to be in the league for another five, six years? Is is it going to be another 10 years? And what, whatever it's going to be. I don't want to be three years down the road going, oh man, now we got to look for another head coach. Not because he's terrible, but just because he's gotten old. So that's a little bit of a problem for me. Um, then probably... David Shaw would be next, D'Amico Ryans, and then Sean Payton at the top. Pretty similar to you. Real quick, Facebook user Steve Sarkeesian is Texas head coach. What are you talking about, bro? He was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta in 2018 to 2019. That's yep. what I'm talking about, bro. Um, right. But and, uh, I digress. <laughs> and he was the guy that just got done at the bowl game, like cussing a guy out for like putting his hand on him or something like that. Yeah. Right but he is there, the head coach uh, of Texas right now. He went to Alabama to rehab after he got fired from Atlanta. I digress. Yeah. He wasn't Atlanta. We're talking about him because he was under Quinn um, after Kyle Shanahan. Um, I can draw a map if we need to. Uh, but anyway, um, I would agree with you. I'd probably have number seven being Ejiro Evero, then Raheem Morris, followed by that, probably then Jim Caldwell, uh, Dan Quinn, then David Shaw, then D'Amico Ryans, then uh, Sean Payton. I think... Quinn, uh, Ryan's and Shaw, uh, those guys that really depend on the staff that they bring in and everything like that. Uh, but I would yeah. be very interested in, uh, any of those guys there at that next level Raheem Morris. I am curious as well. Uh, the Broncos are obviously, they concluded their interview with him. I wonder if they had some interest in Raheem Morris being a potential defensive coordinator candidate for this team. If they lost as you ever, especially considering he had so much connection to Dan Quinn also right. had connection to, uh, Somebody else, uh, Dan Quinn for sure. But, and that was when Sean McVay might've been out of a job. Now that Sean McVay is coming back to the Rams or probably keeping a lot of that staff, maybe that one becomes a little less 
possible in that. Cause you see it all the time. I mean, the Broncos, Mike Munchak was one of the final three coaching candidates in that Vance Joseph cycle. And they're interviewing him for head coach, but they're also interviewing him for offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach ends up coming to Denver with an offensive line position. Probably should have kept them. I did. I digress. Uh, yeah. But sometimes you're interviewing these guys, not just for the head coaching spot, but other positions as well. And just kind of hearing how they'd uh, work on everything. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, that's the only way you can guarantee you can get an interview or yeah. well, I guess that the team can't interfere with it. I should say that. Um, if you're saying, Hey, I know like with Vance Joseph at one point, they were thinking, Hey, we wanted him for that defense coordinator spot, but they had to interview him for head coach more to, to get that or no, that first time around they asked if they could interview him for defensive coordinator and Cincinnati said, no, you have no permission to do that. So if they'd actually asked if he could be head coach for an interview, they could have brought him in no matter what. So it's, like I said, there's just some weird rules with the NFL. I kind of wish there wasn't that ability to turn down some things because at that point, I think he was only the secondary coach mm-hmm. for the Bengals and defense coordinator would have been a promotion, but the NFL doesn't view that as a promotion somehow. Yeah. <sighs> confusing, confusing. They keep changing yep. the rules and uh, 49ers uh, because of the hiring of the Tennessee Titan or excuse me, the Tennessee Titans hiring the 49ers former director of pro personnel. I believe it was not college personnel. Uh, they're going to get a compensatory pick back uh, for the 49ers in 2024. We'll see what it brings out as Jasmine coming back in 1999 saying, whoever's the new head coach, we need to keep them for at least four to five years. We need stability in this organization Four head coaches since Kubiak and 10 starting quarterbacks since Peyton is insane. That was one of the big things that I was told about moving on from Nathaniel Hackett. They really didn't want to have to do that. A, they weren't sure they were going to be able to lure a big fish to this job and they did want a big fish. Uh, B, the other thing was, let's say you move on from Hackett. Well, then it could be potentially, um, then they didn't move on from Hackett. But let's say Quinn comes in here and he bombs or whoever you hire bombs. Are you going to stick with him? Because you don't want to be the team that had four head coaches in four different years. I mean, that's a really bad look. That's what we're talking about yeah. with the Texans right now. And everybody's just like, oh my God, what a joke of an organization. We're one bad year away from that kind of conversation here in Denver. So right. it's a really critical, tough hire. And this team could be horrible next year and they still might keep the head coach there uh, just because of the optics and what it means for stability and team building uh, next season as well. So that's maybe that's another reason as well. They're going for somebody who has done it before stable and safe because pretty darn good bet. They're not going to flame out like we saw with Hackett this season, even if the ceiling is not uh, super high. Well, and the Hackett situation, I don't think it was so much that the team lost it was more what happened on the sideline and just how embarrassing that was to the organization that the players, you know, they not only got into a fight, but here comes Hackett trying to break them up and the players didn't even stop. Like it took other players stepping in to have to try to break it up. And when you look at that and go, okay, our head coach is not respected. Our head coach has no control in this situation. That's Mm -hmm. a problem. And so it just really came down to that optics of how this looks not only to the rest of the NFL, but to the fans, to everybody. And so, yeah, they just had to make that kind of decision. But you're right, Jasmine, the Broncos need some stability. It has been a long time since we, we've had that. I mean, it's pretty much Peyton Manning, Gary Kubiak. That was the last time we had any kind of stability in this organization. And, and even there, there's kind of a lot of chaotic going on because, you know, obviously Peyton retired right after that year with Kubiak. And the two of them weren't exactly getting along the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kubiak wanted his offense to be run and, Peyton Manning can't run that offense, unfortunately. 
And I mean, he could, but it's it's more, hey, I'm Peyton Manning. Let me run what I want to run. And as a head coach, you, get, you should be able to say, yeah, you go do what you want to do. I'll be back here, you know, cheering you on kind of thing. But um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be huge. That's why they want to take that big swing. And you really do hope that it can be Peyton because you do plan on, hey, this guy's going to be here for a long time. Yeah. We're not firing him after year after we trade a first round pick and maybe more to get this guy. He's yeah. got guaranteed probably three years at that point. Hundred uh, percent. We got Gorgo coming in saying five head coaches and fourteen guys have lined up on our center since Peyton retired. It's dizzying to think about. Yeah, it's not even been a decade, uh, and that's how many guys we're talking about in seven years of just continuously a little bit worse. A lot of hope last off season. I was right there with you guys. Uh, hopeful that things turned around here after building off a good draft class, trading for a what looked like at the time a future Hall of Famer. We'll see how this year plays out. Really a big make or break season uh, for Russell Wilson's future, especially given his age and where he's at in his career. But it is dizzying to think about, and it's unfortunate. And too bad, too, because unfortunately the AFC is just loaded with young, incredible quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Herbert lost, but he's still you know one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the NFL going forward. Joe Burrow, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I mean, AFC is going to be hell uh hellscape for a long time to try to get to the playoffs and hopefully getting a good head coach in here that can stabilize things uh can really put a chip at that because i mean how far away from the broncos from the ravens team that took the field this week the the dolphins team that took the field this week i don't think they're that far away yeah uh from those squads especially if they were playing second and third string quarterbacks but uh you could talk yourself into being one of the fifth or seventh seeds uh from yeah. this last cycle well you think about it, i mean broncos beat some playoff teams this year I mean, they, they beat the Chargers. Yeah. Now you could say if they don't take out a couple of those players at different points, maybe the Broncos don't win that game. But the Broncos were still right there, even when they had all their starters yeah. in. And then you think about, I mean, the Chiefs, they took them right to the wire on, on both games there. You Ravens. think about, yeah, they beat, or they didn't beat the Ravens. But close. Cl- yeah, close game. You, you beat the Jaguars. You beat the 49ers, who are maybe the hottest team in football right now. Now, given that was earlier in the season and it was kind of a little bit chaotic mess for both teams, but still, you beat them. Can't take that away from the Broncos. And so, like I said, Broncos have been right there. They've had a lot of close games that you, like I said, if you get a good coach, maybe that makes that seven-point difference. All of a sudden, those one-touchdown losses are turning into actual wins, and it just it changes everything. So, that's why this is going to be such a huge moment for the Broncos moving forward. If they get this right, could set them up to be, like I said, that playoff team for the next three or four years, maybe not the number one seed because there are too many great quarterbacks in the AFC right now, but still that playoff team that you just never know once they get to the dance, what can happen. Yeah. Get in. Anything can happen. Uh, Yendor Yarmar coming in saying, I believe we need a great strength and conditioning coach with as many injuries as the Broncos have had over the years. Who do you guys think would be great? I do not know enough about the world of strength and conditioning uh, to get into that. Um, unfortunately, that's not my world, but I will say that it, with the Broncos' new ownership group in place, this is an area that I would expect them to pour heavy resources into. Yep. There's definitely no cap on that with how injured this Broncos team has been. I'm guessing the Broncos are going to be on the cutting edge of football and sports science, nutrition, rehabilitation, uh, technology, data, I mean, all that stuff. I'm guessing they're going to be innovative. Uh, yeah. So that's an area I'd be excited about with this new ownership group. Here, here's what I can tell you. 
Broncos ownership flew out to meet with some of the top people in this field and have them evaluate what has gone wrong for the Broncos and give them a report of, hey, not only what's gone wrong, how can we fix this? So they are they're putting in the due diligence. They're putting in the work. I mean, you think about just the fact that for one game, they decide to replace the entire field, spent $400,000 to replace that grass because they're going, our field is a joke right now. We can't have that. We can't have players get injured because they're on a, a crappy field. So if you're willing to spend $400,000 just to replace grass for one game, yeah, you're going to be out there spending some pretty big money on some, some of these areas. And, and I keep saying this is the one way that the Broncos really become have that great equalizer, that they can spend big in a lot of these areas that some other teams maybe are not able to. And, no. and so they can get a little bit upper hand without having to hurt the cap, without having to sacrifice draft capital. These are those kind of areas. So I, I do. I expect a whole new strength and conditioning staff, and I expect them to be one of the top three in football next year. Again, no salary cap there, no limitations. That's an area the Broncos have had bad outcomes. Uh, I don't want to say luck. I don't want to say they've been bad there, but uh, bad outcomes. And that's an area that they can try to close the gap. And, uh, you know, even let's say they're 5% better uh, year after year than the average team going forward. That's a huge advantage. I mean, that could make or break an entire season, make somebody's uh, career uh, change everything. So got to definitely spend there to get a little bit better. We got Jay coming in. Yo, how you doing, Jay? We always appreciate you coming in. Eddie coming in. We see you, Eddie, over on Facebook. If you guys are like Eddie joining us on Facebook today, please click the thumbs up. Uh, saying, I'd like to know how many guys were forced to stay out this year. How serious some of these injuries were. Cushenberry came out and said he was ready to come back in a couple weeks. Then for no reason, he was put on IR. He didn't play great, but that's still pretty shady. Uh, teams do this all the time when the season's over, when they're looking to evaluate back into the roster guys at a turn, some of that. Also, some of these injuries, let's say a hamstring, for instance. I'm good to go. I can play. I'm not 100%, but I could play then you re-aggravate it and you're put back even further in what essentially was a meaningless game. So this is common practice. You see this a lot. If a guy's not 100% healthy and they're not looking to switch things up too much on that side, then they put him on the IR, stash him for the rest of the season and uh, get healthy and we'll see you next year. Yeah, I'm with you there. And Cushenberry, <laughs> I think they wanted to evaluate some other guys for the offensive line mm -hmm. and because they know what he is. He's shown he's had a, a few years down to really prove can he and can he improve and he hasn't quite done it to the level that they need, and uh, so I, I don't think maybe he could have come back, but again I think they were trying to figure some things out on that offensive line and don't view Cushenberry as part of their future, and at that point you'd rather get, get some guys in there even if they are worse like you said if you're trying to do more of evaluation for next year at that point when you know you're you're out of it for the year, yeah. 100%. Paul coming in saying, late hello, Carl and Nick and Scott. Good to see you, Paul. Hope you're doing well. Appreciate you coming in and saying hello. Uh, yeah. Always good to hear from you. Friendly face. William coming in. A well-maintained field and upgraded. The right equipment can only help the players as long as they're also doing it right and uh, the, the exercises correctly, you know, the right amount, the right time, the right nutrition, the right time of day, etc. I know it's complicated. I am in sciences, but I'm not in kinesiology, so I can't speak to that. But again, the fact that Carl mentioned they're flying out and trying to figure out how they can improve that, that's huge. Uh, any sort of little edge that you can have with the finances. Uh, obviously, you can't just buy yourself better draft picks. You have the salary cap in there. Those are those competitive disadvantages put in, you know, the equalizers. But you can still pay uh, to get a cutting edge, and that can make all the difference when you have a wealthy owner like the Broncos do. We got Sting Guy coming in saying, hey, MHH, 
can they please just hire someone? I say hire my little doggy Cookie. Uh, she couldn't do worse than the last few guys. I'm here for Cookie as long as uh, my dog Summit can be the uh, defensive coordinator. There you uh, go. A lot of spunk, a lot of energy. Uh, not always the most focused, but uh, damn, he's just all the heart in the world. Uh, so I'm um, definitely in. I'm here for Cookie. Uh, no doubt. Thank you, Sting Guy, for the laugh. Um, I guess, Carl, before we get on out of here, um, did want to talk a little bit about uh, Dane Brugler's mock draft um, here mm-hmm. recently. Uh, he released his mock draft 2.0, and I wanted to contrast it to that of Jordan Reed because there's a player in here that I know a lot of Broncos fans have been asking for, clamoring for, talking about that didn't even make Dane Brugler's first two rounds of his pick that Jordan Reed picked to go uh, to the Broncos at, I think he mocked him at 26 uh, when his mock came out. And that is Darnell Wright uh, out of Tennessee, offensive tackle, right tackle. Um, Watching him personally, I do not see a first round caliber mover in space, but extremely strong. Reminds me a lot of Tevin Jenkins uh, coming out, if you recall him at Oklahoma State. Strong, not really great pass protector. Good gap scheme guy. If you're asking him to wide zone, I don't see it. A good puller also. And uh, I think probably better at guard than tackle, personally speaking. Uh, But he doesn't even make the first round. And unfortunately for the Broncos, everyone clamoring for offensive tackle the three that I think are worth first round picks go off in the first 11 picks in the draft. Yeah. Uh, really sucks. Uh, you had Paris Johnson jr. Go off the board at seven to the Raiders. You had Peter Scaranzi go off the board at eight to the Falcons. And you had Broderick Jones of Georgia go off the board 11 to Tennessee. After that, I don't know, man. And Dane bless his heart has the Broncos going offensive line here. Cyrus O'Torrance offensive guard from Florida. Absolutely. heat mammoth. Uh, six foot five, 350 pounds, super strong at the point of attack. Not a great mover. Um, yeah. not a screw scheme, versatile player. And, uh, I'm not even confident he could kick over to left guard and, uh, function there as well. I think he's probably a pure gap scheme, right guard. Doesn't scream like a first round pick to me, uh, reading about him, watching him, but very strong and would help the offensive line. Uh, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, like I said, both guys, very, very strong. If you got them moving forward, getting the guy right in front of them, pushing them down the field, you're going to love them. They do. They have such incredible strength in their hands and their feet. I mean, it's if you have a fourth and one, you're going to pick it up with these guys. <laughs> they really are going to move mountains for you. But like I said, when we have to look at the scheme. What's mm-hmm. a coach going to be bringing in? If they're going to stick with this zone, you have to question outside whether – Yeah, outside zone, I should say. I mean, you're always going to run a mix of everything. And so you like those guys that can have that kind of versatility to, to be a part of everything and be successful at it. But yeah, if you do go to the, the more power gap scheme, I could probably be okay with either of these guys. Like I said, it's more, it's probably a little bit of an overdraft on both of them. I, I do like Darnell Wright probably more than most. And so I'm, I'm a little bit more okay with him there at the end of the first round, if that's the way the Broncos go, just because. I, I do think he could hand, handle that right tackle spot, and and you can you can work some things to help him out against mm-hmm. some of those speed rushers that he's going to struggle with getting off the edge there. And, and I kind of think of like Orlando Franklin when he came in; he was not a great mover, and he's had some struggles there with the the speed guys coming off the edge at times. But he was still a great right tackle, and I hated that they moved him inside there after a while. You know, he had that horrible Super Bowl there back in 2013. And all of a sudden, it just feels like everybody panicked from the one bad game. Yeah. And I'm kind of going, everybody had a bad game in this one. Like, pretty much that's one of those, like, let's just throw out the tape. We don't want to watch this. It was just, everybody sucked. Get over it. Let's go. 
And uh, and so, again, I, I just wish they would have kept him out there at right tackle because I think he could have been, uh, you know, more – I think he could have stayed there and they could have given him that second contract and yeah. still had that right tackle position figured out because they haven't figured it out since him. That's yeah. been a huge problem. So I think, again, Darnell Wright, don't question it. Keep him there. Move on. And Osiris, yeah, it, you need to move him forward. You can't have him pulling. He's not going to get there in time. You can't have him moving sideways, trying to, you know, get in front of somebody. You, you have to have him moving downhill. And yep. so I like him. Like they, they, the things they do good, they do great. But yep. there's, there's a reason that they're coming out of the end of the first round or even not even in the first two rounds on some yep. of these mock drafts out there. But we got BK coming in saying, thanks for helping me kill some time, guys. BK, thank you. You know, I love this time with you guys. Every Tuesday, just looking forward to just getting to sit down and talk some Bronco football. And yeah, I wish we had easier conversations to have of Broncos are in the playoffs and they're winning and everything's great. But, you know, again, you guys make the difficult times easy because it's just fun to talk with you guys some some football. And so I appreciate you guys always tuning in every week. Yeah, we appreciate you so much, BK. Thank you so much for coming in and uh, being kind, uh, keeping up with the uh, the Broncos here in the offensive line, because I know that's the topic everybody's interested in for the Broncos. You had uh, Anton Harrison going in the second round, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, would make a lot of sense in the scheme, in my opinion. I don't know how good he'd be left tackle, right tackle. Yeah, I've only seen his tape at left tackle, and you can ask Calvin Anderson how easy that is, uh, flipping to either side. Um it's not Madden where you can just flip a guy to right tackle. It doesn't always work that way. So if you bring in Anderson Harrison, I almost questioned if it's writing on the wall for Garrett Bowles uh, yep. in that case, which is a possibility with this contract. Uh, after that, you have Matthew Bergeron, um, offensive tackle from Syracuse. So I think a lot of people are going to be projecting him at guard. Very good run blocker, not a very good pass protector. Um, Jared Verse took his lunch money multiple times um, last season at uh, Albany, the small school whipped up on Bergeron this season at Florida state, chased him around. Uh, and unfortunately Jared Burst going back to school, but uh, I digress. So Bergeron is a name and uh, you had Jalen Duncan offensive tackle slash guard from Maryland go in the middle of the second round. Good athlete, sometimes struggle with some length and power, but a solid athlete out there in space. And then finally you had Dewan Jones, uh, right tackle from Ohio state. Um, he's probably going to have the longest arm length ever measured at the combine. They're saying he's six foot eight, six foot nine. I, I think he'd be a fine right tackle. If your quarterback wasn't five foot 10 uh, yeah. with Denver Bronco having with the Denver Broncos, having Russell Wilson back there. I think that does limit them a little bit for those absolute behemoths at uh, the tackle position, a little bit better to deal with them at tackle than guard and center. But either way, uh, there's your offensive line. No darn all right. Um, also, you had Cody Mock uh, drafting there as well, but he's going to end up playing guard in the NFL. So, offensive name line, uh, offensive names to keep in mind there for the Broncos. I didn't really like the Cyrus Torrance pick, but I got to say, looking at that pick at 28 for the Broncos, nobody else really jumped out to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, even more on the, uh, you know what, just send it over for the coach. Uh, if you can bring in Sean Payton, I'm okay with that. That's just kind of how this draft is shaping up, in my opinion, right now. Obviously, would rather have good players, but probably some stability at the head coaching position and somebody who can tell Russell Wilson, this is the offense that we're running and um, go execute it. Cause I'm going to put you in the best spot possible uh, based on my knowledge and experience. So I'm about it. I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah. All right. We got Michael coming in saying great show tonight, Nick and Carl and building the Broncos go Broncos. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for tuning in guys. And uh, just make sure every Tuesday come join us here. Of course, you got all the other shows going on each day of the week. You guys got your Broncos for breakfast going on in the mornings. 
I think is it every Tuesday and Thursday? Is that right? Or mm-hmm. yeah. So like I said, don't don't miss any of these shows because we got lots of news going on. This is to me. I know the season is always crazy and busy, but to me, this is like the busiest and best time of year to be tuning into these kind of shows because a lot of great information coming out to set up the next season. And that's a great thing. Whenever a season ends, there's always that great sense of hope for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when you end like the Broncos did this year, a lot of reason for hope. And we got Michael Ronquillo coming in saying great show tonight, Nick and Carl on building the Broncos go Broncos. We appreciate you, Michael. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Um, and uh hope you have a good one guys we're gonna have to start wrapping it up i couldn't tell if scott was talking to me there um but uh, thank you so much for the stars michael we appreciate that guy we appreciate everybody coming in deanna hendry coming in today thank you so much jasmine as well i jasmine superstar uh tonight helping us out so much i mean goodness gracious keeping the lights on for us and um obviously what's the news on sean payton hurry up and wait broncos completed their interview (laughs) it's going to be a long process final question carl before we totally wrap it on up here the broncos will announce their new head coach Bye. I'm going to say by our show next week. The 24th news does seem to break on Tuesdays. Yep. Yep. I, that's, I just have that feeling the 24th Broncos are going to announce officially announce who their next head coach is. You guys are all going to be coming in here, getting that chance to talk about it, how much we love it, hate it, whatever it is in between. But that, I don't know. Tuesdays, you got to be here on Tuesdays because big things happen. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys so much for coming in. Uh, you guys have a great rest of your time. Make sure you're following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dummer MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at BFB underscore pod, as well as at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you're joining us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And of course, subscribe, like, and share as it says underneath, uh, any plans the rest of the night, Carl, what's going on? How are you doing? Uh, Stocking up for this big winter storm coming? <laughs> well, I got to go get my run in before it all hits. All right, so well. I got a, got a few miles ahead of me here. But uh, otherwise, head to bed. Hopefully see whether the kids have school or not tomorrow. Because otherwise, kids are coming to work with dad tomorrow. That'll be a lot of fun. God bless the iPad. Huh? Yeah. Or the tablet or whatever <laughs> yeah. the heck we got. But uh, yeah, it'll be a great time. Thanks for everybody joining us today. Um, we'll find out. We'll be here again. Uh, later scott and i will be on tomorrow morning i'll be on tomorrow night with luke uh you guys have a great rest of your tuesday evening and hopefully everybody had a good martin luther king day as well appreciate y'all continue to choose kindness and compassion go broncos you've been listening to building the broncos join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.